You're listening to Shift, Human First Financial Guidance with Ross Marino. Today, we are shifting the conversation with my friend, Sherry Fitz. Hello, Sherry. Hello, Ross. How are you, my love? Nice to see you. I am great. It is so glad to have you on. I think once again, I don't know how many times I've interviewed you, but it's uh, never going to be enough. So always good to have you on. I'm sure some of our listeners and viewers may not know who you are. So how about you start with introducing yourself? Sweet. Well, just if you haven't met me, my name is Sherry Fitz. Hello there. I actually, I live in Portland, Oregon. And, um, you know, this morning and in many mornings, I walk around a, a park called Mount Tabor. It's an extinct volcano. Here's the cool thing, Ross. It is the first urban quiet zone in the United States. Just was made that in May. So that's kind of an exciting little tidbit for me in my neighborhood. But I've been in financial services for 30 years. Um, I started as a graphic designer when digital was a thing in design, when it was, you know, and so I've always leaned into technology, always leaned into technology. But early on, um, I was a graphic designer to create education materials. Early on, I came across this NPR story about these two dudes named Richard Thaler and Shlomo Bernardzi <laughs> way back in the day before that was even a thing. I had to get the transcript by faxing my credit card number and they faxed me back the transcript. <laughs> and so I had this digital perspective and then also this real understanding that money and finances are emotional, that financial issues are stressful. So those two things have really guided you know, who I am. I lean into the digital stuff. And then I also lean into this idea that emotions and feelings and, you know, things like that matter. So that's how I kind of, after 30 years, it's, it's quite a swirl of things. <laughs> yeah. Well, we are ready to dive in. But before we dive into that, you dropped urban quiet zone. What's that? You know, I don't really know because I thought, does this come with any requirements or whatnot? And um, I'm trying to figure out, like, does this mean we can't have bands at Mount Tabor? No. You know, Portland Airport, Portland's quirky, got some things going on, obviously, like many major cities do. But, the, but Portland is still amazing and beautiful in Oregon as well. The Portland International Airport, I noticed the other day, especially in the D terminal, there was no piped in music. There was no like background sound piped in music in the terminal. And I was like, wow, this is crazy. And then further down, there was actually a quiet room. Now, I don't know if any of you have somebody like my husband who gets extraordinarily stressed when he travels. Mm -hmm. um, but... But noise also gets people, you know? And so um, the background behind these urban quiet zones, there's only nine of them in the world so far. Mm. And people actually, volunteers go out and measure the sound. And essentially, Mount Tabor has so many pockets. It's like 130 plus square acres, right literally a mile from where I live. And so there's all these pockets that it's definitely quiet. I, And it's not quiet since it's the highest point between two rivers. When the birds are migrating, they drop down and into Mount Tabor. 
there's a lot of birders going around like this all the time. And so it's a cacophony up there of sounds of nature and things. But um, so it's really just quiet. Is They've just noted how quiet it is, especially its proximity to a, to the city. It's only like 70 blocks from downtown Portland, and it's still really quiet. So that's all I know so far. Um, but I certainly uh, live up there every day significantly. Yeah. Interesting. All right, let's hit it. Yeah. So yep. most advisors highlight their smarts. I read this, I think, on your webpage, and not their feelings. Most advisors highlight their smarts, not their feelings. Well, that's how I grew up in the business. I highlighted my smarts because, after all, I need to tell everybody how smart I am. Do you, you have no idea how much I have memorized that really nobody wants to hear, but come on, I have to tell you. And now you're saying there's a shift. Now I have to highlight my feelings. This is like marriage counseling, Sherry. I remember when I got a sheet of paper, right, with all these feelings and emotions on them. And I was supposed to read these words. What? And that, that was decades ago. I'm way better now, but I'm not quite sure how to do that professionally. Right now I have to highlight my feelings. What's going on there? How do I do that? Well, uh, here's what I see. In fact, I noticed this the other day. There are some people, Ross, forgive me, you might be one of them, whose accreditations after their name are so long that they need to have a second line. And I understand that because I am a voracious learner. I mean, look at all this technology and stuff that I'm serving up, right? I'm a voracious learner. And, and I, you know, in a way, I spend all my time learning, 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 and not necessarily my time going to be crazy here being being, meaning um, living in the shoes of my audience, being a human being. And that's what I'm working on trying to get advisors to understand is particularly, holy criminy, for sure, if we look at what AI is doing already, and it's nascent still, there's going to be this deep desire to to um, make sure that you're real. It's going to be like Blade Runner, right? This deep desire to make sure that you're real. And I even have coined a term real events, not relevance, real events, that, that there's going to more and more people are going to be saying, what's AI? You know, and and what's you know, are are you just roboting me, or are, is there a human being behind there? And so, the more that advisors and our whole community in financial services can begin to kind of embrace the being, the humanness, the humanity, um, I I truly believe the more people will be able to serve. You know, which is which is why I was so enamored with the idea of the shift conference and the shift community, Ross, is because it was just so related, right? Yeah. And I let me just tell you, the being part is hard because we've all been taught to be good students. You know, I want an A. I always want an A, right? I want to learn more. I want an A. I want to pass. I want to be the, you know, studious one in the front row. We've been taught that. We haven't necessarily been taught the being part. Right. 
Yeah, it's a challenge. So it's so instinctive for us because we have to master our craft. And that means we have to have our smarts. We've got to learn. We've got to study. Yep. I have dropped listing designations except two. So only took me maybe 25 years to figure that one out. You know, better to be slow than stupid, I always say. So I'm only CFP and CEFT. Those are the two that I think really add value. And that's less letters than my last name. I like the balance. So I think I'm okay there. So highlighting my feelings, yes, that's one thing. But then you mentioned we need to outcare, not just outthink the competition. Sounds pretty similar. So how about tactically? How do I do that? How do I outcare the competition? So I was speaking at a conference recently, and I was demonstrating AI, okay? And I was showing, and an advisor raised his hands, and I was, you know, and, and he said, well, well, how is anybody going to know whether you wrote that or whether the robot wrote that? And I said, nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. But um, what I believe is that caring and creativity will become the new literacy. So what do I mean by that? I mean that there'll be an ease to be able to communicate. In fact, I got a le an email from somebody today that I know was written by AI because it always starts, I hope you are well, always, when you ask AI to write an email for you. And they didn't even change it. So, um, But the, the caring part, the empathy part the deep emotional intelligence part is frankly where there is value so if you want to out compete in this environment what i'm saying is lean into empathy lean into caring lean into creating and i know it's almost just a different way of what i said just a minute ago so how do you out care um you listen more carefully you, you listen more carefully you you aren't quick to respond you leave space for introverts to think for three to five minutes however long it takes um you get really good at asking questions. I think those are some ways. Just had a conversation this morning with Trey Dowdy, our, our CFO, and he was talking about how he's shifted his perspective towards the questions in Warren Berger's books. And you know, once you realize that information is everywhere, knowledge is everywhere, AI is going to get it faster than my brain could spit it out anyway, the engagement, the conversation, it's really driven by the questions, by what we ask and being able to listen to that response. And we still have to use technology. We have to leverage technology. You also have what you call digital EQ, which kind of combines mm -hmm. all of that. Can you talk a little bit about digital EQ? Well, you know, um, back to being from Portland and very woo-woo, <clears throat> a couple of years ago after 2020, I decided to rebrand because I was hiding behind a brand that didn't demonstrate who I was any longer. That's kind of interesting and a whole, um, you know, psychotherapy appointment right there. Um, and so I started rebranding and thinking about what is it that I was bringing to the marketplace? And I thought, do I help people with their virtual intelligence? No, I don't. 
Oh, by the way, I stopped off at Sedona for a couple of days before I started all of this. And I thought I was going to do all the, you know, woo-woo vortex things, and I didn't. Um, anyway, anyway, so I'm home walking the dog, and I'm thinking about, I've got to figure this out because i got to put it on my website, right? And I'm like, I help people with their virtual intelligence? No, I don't. I help the people with their digital intelligence? No, I don't. I help people with their digital emotional intelligence? Yes, I do. There you go. Because because essentially, it's the two things, Ross. It's understanding that millennials cite eight different sources in their research, and and many of them are not your website because they don't trust your website because you wrote it. So they go elsewhere to find out information about you. They look everywhere, which is why it takes them longer to make a decision, right? So there's that whole, whole part of being able to wield digital influence. And frankly, there's a guy named Richard Bliss, whom I respect significantly, in the world of LinkedIn, and he 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 said this: If you call yourself a 21st century leader, you must use 21st century tools. So, so there's that digital influence, all that that entails, whatever that entails, you know. And then there's the other side, right, which is emotional intelligence. So it's the intersection of both of them, you know. We all see that when we go on LinkedIn, the the posts that get the most interaction are the ones when I declare, you know, I'm 61, right? This is what I stand for. I'm, you know, I'm fighting against massive ageism. I'm doing this. This has to be done. You know, whatever it is where I am vulnerable and a hundred percent myself, those, the, that, those impressions go through the roof. If I just do, here's the ABCs of marketing, nothing happens. And, and I'll say that you have to do both. You can't come at everybody with this hyped up hyper vulnerability all the time because it won't work because we'll all start to sniff it out as a way to get, you know, dopamine rushes on your behalf. But um, so it's both. It's digital influence, using those tools, and then emotional intelligence, thinking deeply about the people on the other side. Yeah. So as I listen, I'm I'm also hearing another shift that that I've heard you talk about before. Years ago, it was all about the unique value proposition, right? This is the value I bring. It's unique. I'm unique. I'm different. I know I sound like every other financial planner, but no, really, Sherry, I'm actually different because I find out what your dreams and your goals are and blah, 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 blah. And I'm putting myself to sleep here. But we all, we wanted, yeah. we all wanted to craft our unique value proposition. But in the digital age, We've shifted from that. Now people are talking about personal brand, which to someone who's a little more mature, that's my way of saying I'm older, personal brand instantly is, oh, wait, whoa, whoa, I'm, I'm not a brand. I'm a guy named Ross. I want to make a difference. You, you got, you, I don't want to do that. But that's this day and age, right? So let's talk about the shift from uni uh, unique value proposition to personal brand and then go into why do I have like pushback to that right off the bat? Why is that instinctive to me? Well, I'll start with the instinctive part because I still have challenge when I say personal brand because I think the first thing that, you know, is it, it, there, you know, people think it's navel gazing, that it's only for popular people, that it's influencers, that it's, you know, real estate agents who put their, who put their photo on the bus stops or, you know, on their business cards, you know. Um, but Tom Robbins back in 1997 or 1998 said, you are the brand. And I remember getting that fast company going, whoa, that was crazy. And and um, in a nutshell, I'll give you an example that I was just thinking of today. 
as you know, Ross, I'm a freak when it comes to moving my body every day and, um, you know, honoring how it moves. And I also do Pilates as well, which is crazy. And it's not just stretching. Trust me, go to a Pilates workout and your ass will get kicked. I'm oh, just it's, saying. it's the most brutal thing I've ever done. It's so brutal. <laughs> it is. I'm telling you, it's, I, I came home from my first Pilates thing. And I remember telling my wife, Pilates is evil. I don't care what anybody <laughs> says. It is. There, I hurt in places I didn't know muscles existed. And I don't mean that as cliche. I mean, there's parts in my core that I remember thinking, I didn't know that part would get sore. And it wasn't just for comedic relief. It was really, that's just, yep. it just hits everything. It's a brutal, wonderful workout. Y- yes, yes. It's a, yeah, well, you know, it's a, you know, a German guide created it, right? To help dancers like repair their bodies. <sighs> Joe Pilates. Yeah. Well, my, my teacher's name is Joe as well. She was at one studio. She was at a studio. I went to that studio for five years. Joe moved. I I moved with Joe. She's my person. Yeah. Okay? She's my person. She's not the studio. She's yeah. Joe. She's my person. Yeah. She knows so much about me. It's crazy. I mean, when you work out with somebody for seven years, you know, I tell her I love her all the time. So, so that's a perfect example of personal branding. And it's even more so. Just if I could take you away from our world of financial services and expand expand your mind to the world of fintech. And I I use something called eCam to do all this fancy stuff on my screen and kind of mess with my um, audio sometimes, as Ross and I tested out earlier. eCam is a technology. eCam is a community. All the hipster live streaming people in the world use ecam and their community their facebook group is beautiful they have somebody who's in charge of the community not in charge of the technology of the community that's how they sell ecam is through a community they don't in some cases own the content that they promote my teacher adrian salisbury is one of the people that they work with to deliver the content they go that person can teach somebody something that person can teach somebody something and it's really a community and i feel like what um what we need to and you're doing this ross what we need to do in financial services this is where marketing messes things up they push the company brand over everything else like it's the one in control baloney the people have relationship with you and they want to have a relationship with you not the company that you work for. If that's the case, then your personal brand matters. Because you have one, you do. It's just whether you're intentional about it or not. So that's a kind of short answer. (laughs) I tried, I promise, I emailed Ross before we started. I said, I'll try to be succinct. (laughs) Yeah, I laughed. That was great. Oh, yeah, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Succinct. Well, and I'm just I'm just to blame. I, I keep I started writing down questions and I just keep writing and just stop. I'm like, I, I could talk to Sherry for hours and ask her questions, but it, it just doesn't matter. You can't go that long. So nope. in the interest of time, let's let's uh, yes. shift to something else really cool. If, if you're watching cool. this on YouTube, you see it in the top right of Sherry's screen. It is Sway. Tell us about Sway. So 
In February this past year, I decided to ask the people on my email list if they wanted to come along in an experiment with me. And that experiment was that I'm going to create a community of people um, who are dedicated to fueling their personal brand with thought leadership. And I honestly didn't know, Ross, I did not know how it was going to happen. And I hadn't even created it yet. But I was doing the whole thing with one of my teachers says is to test, try to sell it first, and then create it. And so I said, on March 1st, this is what it's kind of going to look like. Mm -hmm. But it was all about this idea of coming together as a group of people focused on one thing, which was the component of thought leadership, and all the stuff associated with marketing and everything else, right? And 45 people voted with their credit card. Mm -hmm. They decided to spend $997 for life to hang out with me. Um, and I went, wow. And we've had so much fun and continue to have fun. And, you know, I'm pouring so much into that community, you know, and then for a couple of years now, I've tried to do these really intensive things where three days, small group of people, let me help you figure this stuff out, blah, blah, blah. I could not get any energy behind it. I, I knew that the outcomes were phenomenal because I heard from people and they loved them. But for me to get somebody to sign up, it was a pretty heavy lift and I just lost interest and energy. But what, when I switched the number from 12 to 100, my energy went, woo. So, you know, on my LinkedIn, you'll see that I say that I want to amplify the voices of a thousand people in financial services so that we can serve a million more people. And so I decided to take that vibe that I had with the Sway community and create a conference that's wholly focused on helping people create a purpose-driven personal brand and fuel it with thought leadership. We don't have that yet in our industry. We don't have that yet. And you, you know this, purpose matters. You know, you know this. So... Um, so that's sway. Yeah. I'm, um, holy criminy. It's happening August 7th, 8th and 9th in San Diego. I personally signed <laughs> on the, on the bottom line for the hotel and all that stuff. Um, and I'm excited. It's, um, gaining momentum and yeah, I'm excited about it. What's the web address for it? Um, you can just head to my website. If you go to sherryfits.com slash sway, you can hop on over um, to the website and you'll be able to kind of read a little bit more about it for sure. Or you can find me on LinkedIn and I can tell you all about it. Yeah. Yeah. We'll make sure we drop the links in there. It is sorely needed. The, this whole shift within the industry, branding is important. Being on the screen is important. L let's finish with one other concept as well. You talk about how when we're now on the screen, I'm not really just competing with other financial planners. I'm competing with professional broadcasters. That's a little different world. So how should I approach that? Why is that so important to me as an advisor? Well, people are staring at screens all day long. And I know, you know, especially if I just veer into the 401k arena a little bit, when you're speaking to people, it's common for part of the committee to just turn their screens off. Except for research shows that if 80, if, if your screen is off, there's an 84% chance that you're multitasking. Not okay. Right. But if, if what we're doing, right, is on the screen all day long, then we need to honor and cherish it as much as we would if we were meeting with that person. 
because we are you know what i mean we we are meeting with that person so you know i spent a lot of times talking to people ross and i haven't been able to look at you this whole time because i'm staring in the camera because i'm meeting with you so it's not a you know it's not about necessarily what's best for me it's like i try really hard to figure out how can i you know reach you and and how can i meet you and how can i honor this space i i do it by you know having decent audio and i i do it by having a decent camera and all of that kind of stuff and i do it by making eye contact as often as i possibly can which means not looking down at the screen i mean this is me staring at you right now and it's awesome and i love you to pieces and i gotta be up here right uh so um we have an obligation to to up our virtual game if this is where we're going to compete then we have an obligation to 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 be um a pro at this kind of back to that whole digital influence right we got to be a pro at this for sure great answer thank you so much very insightful as always Looking forward to see what you do with Sway. I'm, I'm sure it's going to be awesome. We're, we're going to do what we can to help promote it and uh, let people know that uh, this is where the future of the business is going. And if you're going to be on screen, you got to think about it. You got to get your reps in and you got to know how to do it and, and why you need to do what you do. So I, I know you'll deliver that. Sway will deliver that. As always, Sherry Fitz, it is awesome. Thanks for being on the show. Thank you, Ross. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Shift with Ross Marino. Please visit humanfirst.live to learn more. This show is for general information purposes only and is not intended to provide recommendations or advice. Speak with a legal, tax, or financial advisor before making any decisions. Past performance references are historical and do not guarantee future results.